You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast, where we talk to Ben Hurst. Now, Ben is a mental health advocate and a very passionate runner. In this podcast, we talk about how those two things in his life, the mental health advocacy and his passion for running, come together in such a positive and fantastic way, not just to help him, but also to help the community. So enjoy. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I am really excited to introduce you all to Ben Hurst. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Thanks very much, Michelle. Thanks for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Um, like I don't know that we've actually met in person, but I we've got like a million friends in common because the running community in Tasmania is pretty small. So it I'm is. really excited to chat with you and get to know you some more. So really, you know, apart from I know you like running and all that, I know a tiny bit, I don't really know much about you. So it's for me, it's just as exciting to to unfold who is Ben Hurst and why do I know his name so well? Because <laughs> he has so many of our mutual friends. Yeah. So tell me, Ben, where did you grow up? Uh, so, yeah, I, I grew up in Tasmania in, in a place called Kingston. Um mm-hmm which is kind of down in the southern side, probably about, Not far from Hobart. say about sort of 15 minutes from Hobart. Um, yeah. And then we kind of moved, we sort of moved to a place called Sandfly, which is really not too far from Kingston, but as it feels like it's not too far, but it feels like you're in a rural area. Like it yeah. just has that sort of rolling um, yeah. paddocks and nature. So uh, my, yeah, my mum still lives there and, and, it was a real joy to grow up and, you know, adventuring uh, in the bush. So I think that's about, that's the first connection with, yeah, nature there. So. Does that have a bit of a sea aspect too? I don't know much about the the southern side of Tasmania, which is not very good of me. Yeah, King, more, more Kingston does. Yeah, they've got, you know, a few a few beaches and close mm-hmm. to sort of, you know, Bruni, sort of Bruny Island. Uh, uh, you might have heard of that um, place. But uh, Sandfly, not so much, but... Uh, yeah, down that way, it, it we're very much on the coastline. Um, so yeah, memories of you know going to the beach quite, quite often. I mean, Tasmania though, like it really, you only have to. It has to be sunny and maybe eighteen, and people are flocking to the beach anyway. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I heard something on the ABC yesterday, and they were making fun really of Tasmanian uniform, the puffer jacket. And yeah. short and shorts as well. <laughs> yeah, they they call it the Tazzy tuxedo down here um, exactly. because we we just tend to wear it. It's like almost like a comfort safety net almost. We just yeah. tend to wear it whenever. Like it doesn't matter what the temperature is. We just kind of wear it, you know. And then wear and then you know wear you will wear you wear shorts and thongs. It's just strange. It could be freezing cold, but as long as you've got your your Tazzy tuxedo on, you you you're, you're okay. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> Someone said to me the other day they thought maybe the reason that some Tasmanians stay in shorts all year round, even though it gets quite cold here, for those of you who haven't been to Tassie, um, is because we want we know we're Australian and the rest of the world thinks that Australia is pretty warm all the time, the kind of temperature you would have shorts all year round. So we <laughs> stubbornly wear shorts all year round. I am on a mission to wear shorts every day this year <sighs> and really regretting that this morning it was freezing cold walking to work but I I think there's a because I'm wearing running shorts so often I, I just yeah. I feel more comfortable in in shorts and but it's also there's also that sort of uh uncomfortable aspect in especially in like mental health sort of thing being uncomfortable yeah. um is is what I'm all about so I mean could talk about that more later but I just I I like that sort of synergy between feeling uncomfortable, uh, especially in the cold and, you know, yeah. being uh, uncomfortable asking that question around mental health as well. So, I, yeah. yeah, I'm sort I of, I try, I'm really trying to stick with it this year, especially through winter and uh, it is brutal down here, but, you know, like you can layer up on top, so it's fine. Getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I yeah. love it. And, and actually living it. 
really living yeah. it. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Every day. You're mad. Anyway, um, <laughs> so do you have um do you have siblings that you grew up with? I do. I'm I'm one of four boys. So oh, wow. Um I'm I guess the second I'm the second oldest. So it ranges. So I'm I'm 34. My eldest is 36. Uh, and then it's sort of four years and then four years. Um, yeah. So it's, I think, growing up uh, very much, it was really nice to have, you know, a bunch of brothers to kind of do things with and, and you know, team sports and like cricket and lots of stuff. It was really, really awesome to kind of, down in Sandfly, we, you know, there were sort of technology was pretty average back then. So yeah. you really go and, and make your own fun. It was, it was really good to have that sort of competition as well. So oh, I love it. Yeah, healthy competition, but yeah. That yeah. was actually going to be a question I was going to ask. Are you guys competitive against each other? I am for sure. Um, and I, to be honest, like it's, I think maybe that's part of my nature and, and, but I think it's made me who I am today, but mm-hmm. I'm always out to, yeah, always out to uh, better my brothers. And, and I think that's the, that's certainly how running started for me. Um, but uh, yeah, we still, I think that level of competition still is, yeah, still pretty much going today. So yeah, did, did never stops. Uh, not really. No, I, mm-hmm. I, uh, there was cross country on offer and, and I did a little bit of that, but that was really only to get out of class, I guess. And, yeah. and I, I really, I, I thrived in team sports. So the running aspect really felt like, it, you know, it was an individual thing to me. So mm-hmm. I was really into my cricket, football and hockey. Uh, so all the sports, all the team sports that I could play, I really loved that and being part of part of something. And and so yeah, the whole running thing, like I may have been sort of been able to do a lot of running in that team environment, but when it came down to just just being me, mm-hmm. I just couldn't really get into it and switch on. Um, yeah, That's interesting. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I find um, you know some people who really enjoy that team sport side of things and that you know being with a group of people and and being part of something that's not just an Mm -hmm. and it it took them a while you know in their when they became adults to you know obviously I talked to people who are running so they found some way into and like a more individual sport um but often from a team background yeah and I think um it's very much there are obviously individual efforts in in sport Mm. But you are sort of working towards that common goal for your your team, and and mm. I really like you know I really love like celebrating the the wins and the the achievements and and you know with your team, but also you know like getting around the people that you know may not have had a good day, and like I think it's just there's sort of there's so much to that supportive environment that mm. teams really offer, regardless of your ability. I think. Um, yeah, that sense of community and, and being part of something is is super important. And we've it's shown that in especially in Tasmania, like football teams and cricket teams yeah. in rural communities are everything to that, like they to are. the community. You know, um, and yeah. So and if that folds up falls over, then like where do they where do people go? You know, it's a big so, hole, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So I think I've just always been. That's just part of who I am, and I've always been wanting to be I always love to be part of something and mm. obviously running now running it feels like a community to, to yeah. me but in the past it never that. really did yeah mm. yeah it's interesting because a lot of people that I've talked to have said they've came to running and we'll get into a minute how you came to it but they got to running to something to lose weight or to be healthy or something happened in their mm. life or whatever and they got into running um for a reason but they stayed in running many of them because of the community that they met, whether it was at park run that sort of developed into longer things, or they got into trail running, which seems to have a bit more of a community type of feel to it than, um, you know, your normal road racing type of events, or they get in, got into some kind of running club, which again, you know, it's a community type of thing. Um, so again, you think, well, it's, it's the people like, oh, mm-hmm. and when you talk about mental health, it's, it's the people that you're surrounding yourself and creating some kind of community that can help you through all sorts of mental health ups and downs as well, which I find is fascinating. As humans, I think we gravitate towards 
being part of a, a group or a community to give us belonging. Yeah, I think that it's that, I think the reason why the running community is so supportive is that everyone comes into running with their own lived experience or own, own story. And it doesn't have to be mental health or it could be their, yeah, their weight loss journey. It could be for, for whatever reason. And, um, you know, I, I think so being part of something and being able to freely share that and and be, know that you're not going to be judged and and mm. know that you're going to be supported but you're all you know yeah I think there's a lot to but just being able to run in nature especially and and feel uh, that's a really such a it feels like a safe space to be able to kind of and you're with people like-minded people so that sort of is really a really like nice way to be able to kind of slowly sort of share your story but um you know, I think there's so many elements to it that um, is quite attractive, you know, to people wanting to to better their life and get into something that is quite, you know, like I think in the past probably running really was like you'd go out and be truly be like a fitness thing to lose weight mm. and you'd go out and do it by yourself. But now I think especially when the trail running scene came in uh, and, came, and was quite popular, um, it's yeah it's created this this big community because trail running for so many years was like really low-key but it was in you know a few hardcore trail runners would go out in a couple of small groups but would never 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 talk about where they're going or anything like that so um it's nice to see it sort of I guess people call it pretty mainstream now but it's nice to see so many people are part of it and that's that's a good thing I love it I just think it's amazing now before we though move into <laughs> all the reasons why we love running, especially trail running, um, when you got to the end of school, what did you do? What was your school to work transition like? Did you go to uni? What did you do? I um, I got a job from work experience mm-hmm. in a restaurant. So oh. I worked as I got a job at, at a as a kitchen hand. Yeah. Um, I only got the job. Because the other person that was, there was two people, there's me and another guy that was doing work experience and he didn't, they were going to offer him the job. And this, they, this is what they told me. They were going to offer him the job, but he didn't show up that day. So they offered oh, me the job. So lucky. look, I was gracious and, and, you know, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I, I said, yes. Um, and then, yeah, eventually got offered a, an apprenticeship, um, which led to, yeah, I guess me being a, a qualified chef. Wow. It's not what I'm doing now, but yeah, um, yeah I, I basically was worked as a qualified chef for probably, I don't know, seven or eight years. So awesome. to, at least to my mid to mid twenties, maybe twenty six sort of. And do you um, still like to cook? I like to, yeah, I do. Um, at the moment, it's really just quickly cooking, cooking up basic sort of stuff for my kids and, and yeah. that sort of thing. But I really like. Yeah, when we do entertain and have people over, that's when I really and you know, I guess at Christmas and those sort of key events, yeah. that's when I really get get to uh, put a lot of effort in. Yeah. And and I think just like I guess music and that sort of thing, it's really a it's really a talking point. Everyone has their own like food mm. really brings people together. And I I I um yeah, I I think that it's really nice to cook something special it's a lovely it's a really good life skill too like oh yeah I'm I I'm so grateful that I uh was able to experience what I've experienced obviously really challenging uh industry to be in but um yeah look I've got these wonderful skills that I can now pass on to my kids and whoever you know um whoever wants to learn but also like be able to cook things that people haven't ever you know, tried before as well. So there's a lot of benefits to that. Um, yeah. I was listening to, uh, again, ABC. Um, sounds like I'm just an ABC listener. Oh, that's probably true. <laughs> anyway, um, they had a, a a chef on, somebody who I hadn't known before. He's a doctor in Hobart, that, but he was on one of those cooking shows apparently, which I didn't know because I don't watch those shows at mostly. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, he was. they gave him a challenge and that was to make things through the alphabet. So. Oh, wow. So all of the ingredients for something to make stuff up. Wow. Um, so it was like A, B, C, D. Like, oh, you did something this week. It was just completely like 
That's a right. that's a yeah. That's that's quite talented to do to, oh, honest, to come client. up with things on the spot. Yeah, yeah right. It's so he would go away. I think they gave him the week before. They said ease the letter, and I think he made an eclair. But the things were, that were in it were quite oh elderberry. So that was like the. So oh, it had anyway, to all be a. It had to all be eggs. Pretty, pretty yeah. much within within reason. So obviously eggs was easy because that was in it already. Um, but it was quite a fascinating um, thing, and, and wow. I heard the, the week before as well. I can't remember what letter that was, but <laughs> so it's quite creative. I guess that was one one of the things because I'm a recipe follower. I'm a, I love cooking, but I'm a recipe follower to mm. a degree. I don't tend to go off the page that much, or I fail. Um, <laughs> that well, I think to be honest. There's a reason why I think there's a reason why there are recipes. Um, but I guess, yeah, the people that I guess the more experience you have, the more likely you are to not follow the recipe because you feel confident yeah. to and you want to like change it up because you've probably you've probably done that thing for yeah, quite a true. quite quite a while. And you it's always that curious mind where you're like, Oh, well, I wonder if I yeah, it could be a disaster, but you've got to you've got to try these things. You could stumble across something that really tastes really amazing. So oh, yeah. Amazing. Wow. So what kind of um Chefing, did you do <laughs> what? So, like what restauranty type stuff was it? Yeah, so it was. Stuff? Yeah, so I mean, the place that we worked at was a restaurant bar sort of situation um, yeah. down at uh, so the waterfront Salamanca area, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of I guess the main place to sort of go out. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably more a sort of Australian sort of seafood sort mm-hmm. of style. Um, mm-hmm. Really good though because we we got to I guess we got to change up the, the menu quite often so instead of doing the same cuisine all the time and getting pigeonholed into we got to learn lots of different types of dishes and yeah. um, really fast-paced sort of environments which they all are you know you, we could fit a bit over 100 in the the dining room and then you could fit you're doing meals at the bar and then you've also got a function room at the back so you've got kind of three different wow. uh th- three different things in play but different meals as well catered to different wow. areas of the thing so you're uh and you, you'd only have on on the main the busiest night you'd have probably four people cooking two in each sort of section um but sometimes like i i would cook for the breakfasts for breakfasts and i'd be just me um and wow. you, you'd have guests and you'd also have people coming in the door so you wouldn't know you, you'd never be able to estimate how busy you could kind of guess but yeah. there's always, you know, we have lots of in cruise ship season. We I was going to say a cruise, cruise ship might come in. every day in Hobart. And wow. uh, there's been some nightmare situations where you kind of just, your whole restaurant's full and it's just you. And and, it's almost, and you almost, you just freeze almost. Mm. And you go like, uh, there's those situations where you're like, how, what how do I do? do like, <laughs> how am I going to do this? And so, wow. and yeah, but then when you've, when you've, it's it, very much similar to, I guess, running and that sort of thing. You, you're finishing, you know, like I just did that, you know, and, when I, and at the start I thought, look, that's not possible. Um, but you kind of work through it and, and it, it's that problem, like it's like ultra marathon running where it's problem solving along the way. So, and, but you also need that support from other people to get you through. So, yeah. Wow. So many life skills just in that kitchen, isn't there? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So had was there any kind of sport in your life during that point? Tell me about that. Support or no um, sport. sport? So oh yes, yeah. Had um, you found running by now? When? No, not yet. No. Ah. Uh, so what so sport did you do? I yeah. So I started. I started with football and cricket. Yeah. Uh, cricket was probably my yeah my I guess real pa- sort of passion at that stage. And and yeah, we played cricket in, in the backyard every night until it got yeah. dark, or you know, or someone got hit in the head with a bowl, or we break a window, you know, that sort of situation. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, got to the stage where, yeah, I didn't even realise that my dad played hockey. He kind of had a bit of a break from hockey, I guess, when we were growing up. Yeah. And he was a really, really good hockey player, like really good. And, um, but let us choose our own way in, yeah. and that choose our own sports, which I like, I thought was really amazing but at the time I was really dirtier and him going I could have been starting this sport you know five years old and I could have been really good now and so I, I discovered that at about 12 yeah. um picked up a hockey stick and obviously hockey I'm I'm a left-handed cricket bat yeah uh, cricket uh batter hockey sticks you can't play hockey left-handed you can only yeah. play right-handed so mm-hmm. had to had to swap over the hands which like so to play hockey so mm-hmm. I, I got over that 
I was a bit annoyed and so now I can play cricket like both both ways but basically I had to kind of choose when I was about 15 had to choose between hockey or cricket yeah um and yeah hockey kind of dominated from there so I basically it was sort of seven days a week sort of thing between school club hockey uh you know state hockey as well state representative and um yeah just absolutely loved it and just kept going all the way through and and playing sort of quite competitively um I'm yeah and yeah I sort of like I'm a forward so I just love getting the glory and scoring the goals and (laughs) and um yeah I'm still still at it today still playing so but at that stage yeah I wasn't I mean, I must admit, I wasn't really looking after myself very well. And I guess being part of that, being a chef probably influenced that a lot as well. And and just being in my twenties and getting up to no good, but uh, you could be almost match fit for hockey and you could still not look after yourself, but really run out that like hour and a half. And that was fine. But there's no way I would have gone out for a, a run if it wasn't related, if it wasn't part of a training run for hockey, I would not be doing that. Yeah. Um, alongside that like separately to that did you find it hard like playing it sounds like you played very high level hockey was it hard to fit that in what I can imagine um your cooking career also is very the the time challenges that relate to that I mean you explained it before but yeah it was difficult to because we were work we'd work on the weekends that sort of thing so I really had tried to to work it around my I'd sometimes I would just have to leave early or I'd have to quickly run off to do the game mm. um but I, I made it I made it a priority because it was a it was important to me um yeah. but yeah I had it, there was a portion there where I really had to I couldn't play it to the level that I wanted to because of I guess my chosen career at that stage mm. so that was really difficult to juggle and also just having the energy like yeah. doing service a really fast paced service and then tr- quickly running trying to get to a game like you were already fatigued before you even start mm. so um it was quite a challenging part where I really all I wanted to do was play hockey I didn't like and there's not really you can't really build a career especially back then you couldn't build a career around hockey it's an expensive sport yeah um you can't make any money out of it you can make a little bit now but it's not yeah. it's not a sport that you can really monetize so mm. um but yeah yeah oh. my my, uh, my husband did um he was did very well in rowing and like represented Tassie and, and went to the AIS and things like that in up into his early 20s. Uh, but it was one of the things that we did not encourage our children to do because it would mean very <laughs> early mornings. <laughs> Just going yes. back to your father, not necessarily letting you know <laughs> yeah. well he did in hockey. I'm like, well, that was why. <laughs> that was one of the reasons we didn't encourage our kids so much to jump into, into rowing. Anyway. Um yeah. So you moved, you have intimate, have, well, implied, implied that you are not chefing at the moment. What happened? So no. well, what, you obviously changed careers at some point in the last few years. I changed careers a few times. So really? I'll, be pretty, I'll be pretty brief around it. But basically I made a choice that that wasn't my path, that I wasn't, that was my end career and I wasn't passionate about the industry and there was a lot of things that were really difficult. I guess you, me being a young person in the industry and then seeing people that have been in that industry for many years, yeah. you see it, the, the toll it takes on their relationships, their, you know, their health and all those things. And you go, actually, that's, that's not really where I want to be. You know, that's, yeah. that there's not money. There's no money in it either. You know, it's just, yeah. Um, so I made a, I made a decision to try and change my career path. And, mm-hmm. uh, my uncle at the time was a sort of, he was in financial planning Yeah. and I thought, oh, I thought, you know, banking, that seems like a pretty sweet and easy job. Uh, it's <laughs> nine to five, you know, like, so I got, I, I, uh, got him to help me. I studied a diploma of financial planning while I was chefing and, yeah. He helped, he really helped me sort of make sense of all the jargon and the stuff that they were trying to, I was trying to learn and, and yeah, got a job 
uh, had many interviews to try and get into the, you know, trying to convince people in suits my transferable skills from being a chef <laughs> and to, you know, being in front of a computer and, and working under pressure, working out under pressure. <laughs> Uh, and I got, I, I eventually got really good at that and then convinced someone to hire me. Um, yeah. And then got into, I guess, working as a power planner, like say providing sort of support to financial planners and doing the research and that sort of thing. Oh, wow. Did that for about five years. And then I was kind of, at the time I was kind of doing a, a fair bit of my onside sort of mental health advocacy and fundraising and all that sort of stuff yeah and I really there was a lot of a lot about the industry that I kind of really just didn't agree with and and we were providing financial advice to people that only to people that could afford it you know the people that really needed that support and needed to needed help with their finances and education and that sort of thing and I know we weren't financial counseling but there's there's a big barrier and that's a cost and 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 all we're doing is making people wealthier like rich Mm -hmm. people really wealthy and because and avoid towards going into the community sector and 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 you know the, my core is really like helping people and and relationships and that community aspect and I love that so I uh, managed to get a job at the, the Salvos um, in oh, like yeah. a schools and community role uh, educating uh, educating I guess kids in schools about poverty and and homelessness and all those sort of barriers that people have to face and especially like talking to you know you'd be talking to kids at re- uh, like an elite private school mm-hmm. about and educating them about what the other side is you know is yeah. having to face mm-hmm. um and then on the other side of things you'll be going to public schools that are that quite a lot of kids are going through those issues that you're actually presenting on so you're having to change your language and wow. yeah it's uh, really fascinating but that was during a start of COVID so it was a oh. schools and event, events role. So events shut down, schools shut down. Oh, no. So I found myself doing COVID recovery, a uh, really fascinating role. So I provided support for uh, people that were isolated in their homes and um, during that time. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I had like such a unique uh, opportunity and role. Um, but that uh, that's, yeah, that's what I was doing then. But that's that's still not what I'm doing now. <laughs> Um, you do so eventually. <laughs> I so I eventually moved into what I'm doing now, which is suicide prevent. I'm a, a suicide prevention officer. Um, for the state and, government, is that? A- well, we we're we're essentially fund our program is essentially funded by the state government. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we'll do is a portion of our role is we'll go out to communities, whether that community is a sporting team, could be a school, could be. Yeah. The general council area, and we'll create uh, suicide prevention community action plans, yep. um, which is uh, essentially we'll work with the community to see what to work out where the needs are and and what the gaps are and and whether that that could be bringing in training for them that could be creating events for social connection, uh, it could be mental health policies, anything that we identify that helps that community mm. be more resilient and safe and and you know connected um that's what we're able to do so and it's really such a cool role to be able to learn we can go in and know nothing about that community and we we're leaving ending up knowing so much of them um and knowing that they've got this plan ongoing plan going forward that uh you know if something like covid happens they've got a they've got a plan together to keep connected yeah. you know and stuff yeah. like that so yeah it's it's a really rewarding role so it's sort of like providing the community with resilience pretty much yeah it. and mm. and we and I guess we sort of almost act as experts and consultants and bringing targeted services in that might benefit the community as well um mm. yeah yeah I love it yeah so 
And is that how you see, you know, your next 10 years? Is that what you see as your career, that kind of thing in that area, mental health area? I think so. I've had a lot of reflecting over the probably last six months about what where my next, like, I really feel like this is, is the area that I'm really passionate about. But what sort of, you know, I think I found being in suicide prevention and, and that sort of, it, it is quite a, full-on draining role um but i i think going forward i really want to focus on that sort of yeah the mental health and well-being side of things but also for sport for sport in the sporting context and athletes and that sort of thing so and really like that mentoring side of things so um yeah going forward i think that's because i i i'm sort of volunteering as sort of a few different roles in um mental like mental health officers for like sporting clubs and mm -hmm. so like I really want to be able to help sporting clubs uh with their players and and all that sort of stuff so I think yeah. bringing two things that I'm really passionate about together yeah. so it doesn't always feel like One really heavy in the suicide mm -hmm. prevention space I'm bringing something that I really enjoy together with that sort of you know sometimes that can be pretty uh full-on but mm -hmm. I'm bringing them together to combine those compassion so it is a bit of a niche space space but going forward I know it will be you know be bigger and bigger and more important going oh, forward so yeah it's massive yeah. now I think and I, don't, yeah. I mean it was before COVID you know just the need for positive mental health um, strategies for an education in the community yeah. um, since COVID it seems to have exploded I think maybe because people were talking about it but also what COVID created in the community as yeah. well so the opportunities yeah. are massive and very needed too, I think. So. I think so, yeah. The pandemic really, it was interesting because I worked in this space before the pandemic and after mm. and, and yeah, people's, everyone was touched in some way, uh, whether mm. it was a family member or or themselves, they had their yeah. own, you know, so everyone really, you don't have to convince them that it's an important thing anymore. You know, people no. have, once they've experienced something like that, uh, you know, they know it's important, um, yeah. which is really helps my role in going forward. It's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, before we talk some more about that and bring running into it, into the mental health side of it, how did you start running? Like you're here on a running podcast. Tell me, <laughs> how did you start running? <laughs> uh, well, it, it's kind of hard to pinpoint, but I started doing, you know, like small fun runs, like, you know, like, I guess like a lot of people, so they want to go in and they'll do a, like a local fun run in their community. And my eldest brother started getting into these, uh, these 10K, sort of 10K runs with them, with his mates. And he wasn't like, just for fun, a bit of, you know, it wasn't serious or anything. Yeah. And because um, I'm so competitive, I, I was like, all right, the next one he does I'm going to sign up and not let him know. And, and the goal is to beat him, to be at the finish line before he, before he finishes and just, you know, really just rub his face into it. <laughs> and so what happened was I, I'm really unorganized and that sort of thing. And, and I essentially forgot my shorts and just ran, had to run in trackies. So I rocked up really late, ran, ran the whole 10K in trackies and then finished like a minute after him. So oh. he was essentially he was doing the same for me, the same thing that I wanted to do, but he did it to me. So <laughs> since then, that kind of fueled my uh, fire. So I, I entered a few more, and yeah, hadn't lost to him since. Um, <laughs> but I think my introduction, we did a we did a marathon together as like a bit of a uh, a goal. But mm -hmm. I think my real introduction to my introduction to ultra marathon running um was basically I was I went back to chefing for a, li a little bit and mm -hmm. once I finished work we worked for a pub and I there was a a mate of mine was talking to a group of friends and I had like these these belt buckles that that one person had this belt buckle and I was sort of they were talking about uh running um this this race and I sort of cut, went over there I had a few pints by that stage mm -hmm. and, I, and they were talking about um what what is now ultra trail australia uh it was yeah. north face you know north face 100 back then and they're like oh yeah you know I, I finished this race uh 19 hours or something and got this bronze belt buckle for finishing um it's 100 kilometers and he's, he's sort of talking through and they they planned to, to go over together again that year and i think it was like 
it was around Christmas time. So there wasn't really, a, a, it was, yeah, it wasn't really a huge amount of time to plan and it already sold out at that stage. Wow. Um, but I thought I went, I went home after like, I had a few more drinks obviously and went home quite late early in the morning and had really th- thought about it. Oh, that is, I never thought that there was anything past the marathon, let alone mm-hmm. in the middle of the blue mountains in the bush. Like that is such a cool thing. And I, and I'm always like, it might've been the, the beers talking, but I was like, Oh, I can do that. Like that's, you know, that's, that sounds easy. Um, so I signed up like at like three, I put my name on the waiting list at 3am and then just went and then passed out. And then like about a, a week later, I got an email saying that a spot had opened up and I, I hadn't remembered anything. And my, I remember seeing in my heart sinking going, Oh, like I've got to, I've just, I've got to do it. You know? Yeah. Uh, I don't nothing about, I was, I was still smoking at that stage. I like, I was, a, <laughs> I was smoking and drinking quite heavily. Um, and I knew nothing about nutrition, nothing about trail running, oh, had wow. no gear. Um, How long ago was that? Like what year was that? Just... That was 2014. Okay. That year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and knew nothing about any of that sort of stuff. There wasn't a huge amount online either. Or like a little, there's a little bit, nothing to the scale that it is now. Yeah. But I, and I didn't have like really much money to my name either. Um, yeah. But I, so it was, the f- entry fee was not like still a, a fair bit back then. Yeah. And I, so I pretty much put it on my credit card at that stage. Yeah. I didn't really have a, and I thought it was just something I just thought I have to do this. You know, there was just this feeling um, it was quite scary, but I thought, no, there's something to it. I have to try this. Um, we'll work it out later, you know? And um, yeah, the rest is history. Basically I, I mean, I didn't train a lot for it. <laughs> um, and so I, I didn't really do a huge amount of training, did it. And I was kind of, I managed to scrape together the gear um, for it. Yeah. Went over with my mates and th- that group of people that I bumped into the pub and uh, ran it by myself without like support crew or anything. And right. <laughs> Stumbled, I, I thought I was seeing the videos of people like people going over the finish line and there's like thousands of people cheer, you know, you get yeah. cheering. And I thought, oh, that's gonna be like so good. And and I was hell bent on getting that belt buckle and crossed the line at like 4 a.m., like 22 and a half hours or something. Wow. At, like no like even the people behind even the people behind the finish line were like falling asleep. Um, no one was around. And I'm just oh. like wandering over the finish line and I knew I hadn't got the belt buckle either. I was really fixated on that. Yeah. Um, so I got a certi- I got a signed certificate at that stage because that's all they gave out. You got a participation <laughs> uh, And I was furious. Yeah, yeah, I was furious about that. Uh, um, it was the same sort of feeling as when I finished that 10K wow. uh, before, after my brother. Yeah. Like that same feeling going, you know, I've got it. But I think. I remember sort of going and, and getting some pumpkin soup and sort of almost pretty much like bowling into the, that pumpkin soup, but then going like it, what didn't hit me straight away, it kind of a couple of weeks after I kind of really reflected on that going, that was, that was like, you know, a significant achievement. And, and yeah. I thought, you know, if I could finish that in the health that I was at yeah. and the limited knowledge that I, you know, and I went over, I didn't have the support, um, you know, what could I do if I actually really put it, put a bit of effort in and, and, yes, uh, you know, trained for it, you know? And so I went back the next year cause I, I, I needed that belt buckle. Um, <laughs> I, I think it was like, I think it might've been about 17 hours. So I got oh, that, wow. got, went and got that belt buckle. Um, and then yeah, I've been back a few. It's seen, I've been back a few times since because it's it's told so much me- sentimental memories for mm-hmm. me. Um, but I haven't been back for a while, so it's probably uh, it's. The, I know it's this weekend, but it's definitely something that's on my mind. It's just a. It was an ongoing pilgrimage for a while, so oh. but that's where it kind of started started for me. So yeah, what do you, what do you a think? Crazy is, story. What do you think about it? Made you want to go, like to keep doing it. Like, cause sometimes I know even when I did my first marathon, there was lots of stories about, well, pe- people either do one marathon or they do a lot more than one, but very mm. few people do two. They either do one or a lot. So was it that, you know, we talked even earlier about that 
getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and starting to realize that, you know, tapping into what could you do and that exploring who you are and, and, you know, when you push yourself to your limits and the limits change all the time anyway, but <laughs> was it a lot of that sort of stuff going on for I you? Think, to, be, to be honest at that, at that time for me, I had such, such poor mental health and mm-hmm. I didn't recognize that because I just yep. didn't, I didn't know that, but I think it was, it was really that sense of achievement. And, and I think, you know, you're all like, we're our biggest critic. And, and yeah. I think for so many years, I've really talked negatively about myself and really, wow. uh, I think for me, like to, it was, it was also something that was quite, quite unheard of at the time as well. So I was really like, it was something that it was probably one of the, one of the first things I was really proud about sharing. Um, but it also ga- gave me an avenue to share my story as well. Uh, and go into that mental health advocacy stage Um, so after that sort of the next time I went next time I went to went back I started a fundraiser um, for the the charity that I'm still supporting now Um, which is uh, speak up stay chatty in Tasmania we can can also add that to uh, the show notes as well oh fantastic yeah 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 cool and and so yeah, and then that was starting from that simple fundraise. It was it was that sort of it was a, a really easy way for me to start slowly sharing my story online, but through uh, a platform like Running, where mm. it was just easier for people to kind of, I guess, yeah, for people to kind of listen through my stories of running, but also I'm not just just bombarding them with you know how I'm feeling at the time and all that sort of mm. stuff. There's there's a bit of extra, you know, so people are really tuning in and and wanting wanting to know why I'm doing some of these crazy things. So yeah, and that's just kind of kept going through to now, really, like with what I do. So it's all, all sort of started from there. So in 2014, you did this ultra trail run, mm-hmm. and now you've done many, 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 many more of those <laughs> because it's become yeah. a part of your identity. Yes. And it's also when people ask you why you're doing it because you tie it together with, you know, mental health, you know, supporting mental health things in the community, like um, like the Speak Up, Stay, stay Tatty. Um, what story do you tell them? How do you tell them that this running thing is also helping your mental health? Yeah, well, I think there's a there's a couple of different a couple of different things I I touch on. I suppose um, I really I can one of the really good things I like to sort of talk about is how the I guess how how the synergies of of running an ultra marathon race and I really felt like that I felt that when I first ever experienced it it was really like a mental health journey going through and, and in a, in a way because you're like you'll you know you'll you'll be running and then you'll you know you'll get to a stage where you're like I'm I can't do that I don't think I can get I can't I don't think I get you can get to a hurdle and you go look I don't think I can do this anymore and you you know you 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 actually you, you can be fine and but you need you sometimes you need your crew person to come up and go actually mate you're like you're doing really well you know you're fine why don't we just why don't you get to that next that next checkpoint on the next stage break it down um and then you know, you, you get, they're helping you, you know, and I think you need that support going through, but I think there's just so many times where uh, in your, you know, that mental health continuum, you, you really need to, it's an ongoing, um, it's an ongoing thing that you've got to manage. It's not, it's not done, done and dusty. You're, not, you're ne- never over it. You've got to always keep working on it. The journey. That's, that's and the journey. Yeah. So, um, but I think working towards a, for me, working towards a goal and, and, um achieving that with all my things that I've been doing I love the idea of doing something that uh sounds pretty outlandish and and a challenge that people think is impossible especially it sounds impossible to them yeah I really it's not about proving them wrong it's about uh showing them that that it's possible if you really just have a have a crack and and get to that start line or or just you know, I've never been one to say that like, I've never grown up as an elite sportsman. Uh, and 
you know, I've really, I've still had, I've had to start from scratch in my fitness journey as well. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it all, it's all been me taking a risk. Um, but, and then, you know, a lot of people, have t- a lot of people in that lead up to that 2014 run, even my own brother basically said, what are you doing? You're not, you're not going to finish this. Like uh, whether that is concern for my own well-being, <laughs> I, I don't know if I took it that way when I started, but I was, you know, you, sometimes you don't need that. You need the, you know, you need people in your corner to go, hey, like, how can we support you in it, you know, in starting this? But it's just, I guess there's just so much to unpack with it, but um, it it fills me full of confidence and and I think uh, it's a supportive community and it's something that really flow running really flows onto my normal life if I'm if I'm constantly working towards something or running, uh, you know it makes me a better, a better human. And, and mm-hmm. it, it makes me more resilient as well. Cause if I can overcome some of these big running challenges, then, you know, some of these things in life could really like, doesn't really, for me, it doesn't really compare. And I'm also always looking, you know, at the problem solving, how can I sort of overcome this, this next hurdle or how can, you know, how can we get past that? And so there's all these things that you can kind of take from, some of these events that you or those things that you experience into your daily lives so and uh, yeah and it's made me much better at um, dealing with it wow so what would be the run that you've done that for you is the most memorable in the way it's helped you in your life uh well the same there's there's a lot but i i mean i, I must admit like i went and ran uh, a race called Down Under 135. I'm not sure if you've heard of that. I don't know. But they just ran it this year. Really local, low-key community event held in Bacchus Marsh in the hills there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you'll have to look it up. It's because it's like gnarly, but it's it's 135 miles. Um, it's about 13,000 metres of elevation, like brutal. Te- they don't. They basically don't really, they'll be nice, there'll be groomed tracks, but they'll, what they'll do is they'll course mark and they'll take you straight through the bush. So <laughs> most people, if you've seen Bar- Barkley marathons, most people that come yes. out yeah. will be just cut up all through the legs. So the vegetation just cuts you, the prickles. Yeah, You've got 50, the cutoff is 56 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, most people finish, if you do finish, you finish around that 50 hour mark. Yeah, So you go through two days worth. There, uh their finishing rates about 15 percent um oh, wow. so to put that in perspective they yeah no more than five people maybe will finish every so year a bit like sometimes the <laughs> pretty much and so i <laughs> yeah i signed up i signed up to that race the first every year that they started thinking oh look i really would love to do a 200k run you know yeah. i didn't think anything of how brutal it was and yeah didn't finish it the first year and got halfway and realized I'm actually get I'm a bit too slow I won't be able to actually get back so I just wow. you know and that was kind of my first that was kind of my first DNF experience and it really hit me and I was just like I actually really spent a whole year and my wife will attest to this like I was just really pissed off at myself and it was a really good learning curve and I made sure I, I went back regardless of how hard this race was I made sure I came, went back um with a crew and the same crew came with me too even though I they, they still supported me and yeah went and finished it in 53 hours uh like I think third out of the out of the five that finished that year wow. um most surreal experience I think it's something that I've I it's the my biggest achievement that I've ever had and in running and, and something that I'm so proud of because it was something that I could have just let it go and yeah. just not, not tried it ever again. Mm-hmm. Cause it was, cause it was, it was so hard, but I, I threw everything on the line line and I, you know, there was obviously a huge, there's a huge element of failure there mm-hmm. as well. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. And, you know, I actually thought, I've been watching them from afar and going, I'll never go back anymore. Like it's, but watching the one that's just passed, I'm like, like maybe I should have another crack at this. And, (laughs) um, but yeah, I just, it, I, I, there's something about me, like just 
the heart, the more, the bigger the challenge, the better for me. And I want to learn more about myself and, yeah. and I also want to be able to, to share those experiences with others and they don't have to climb the biggest mountain or, you know, run 300 miles to, to do so that, that if it helps them, if it helps them get off the couch or get out the door or get out of bed or, you know, do something that that is the equivalent of climbing a mountain for them at that yeah. time, then yeah. that's, that's a win for me, you know? So yeah, I always think what about drives that. You, but you, you kind of answered all that already without me asking the question. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it sounds like um, pretty good reasons to get out there and do it. And I really love yes. that, you know, that what for you is a massive mountain and a, and a whatever, a really challenging event um, for someone else. It's something else completely different that is their massive challenge. And then, you know, it could look like, yeah, completely different. It kind of goes back to that being getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and moving through the world in that way. We're opening ourselves up to a lot more positive experiences as well. And that feeling empowered that if you can do some of those things, even, even if you don't, um, yeah, we've talked on the podcast a number of times about failure. So even mm. when you fail, what you learn from failing is actually often you learn a whole lot more about yourself in a positive way than what you're going to learn. If you, you know, if it's a piece of cake and you walk right through it and it's easy. That's it. It's worth, it's worth the, it's worth risk. Uh, Even the first few, the first few DNFs really hurt. Uh, (laughs) But after that, it's part of it. The part you feel it's part of the process. Like, yeah. And everyone, most people have have gone through it. So yeah, Yeah. you're not alone in that. So yeah, exactly. I just, I think uh, actually at school, I was once a teacher. I think we should embrace failure at school more than it being, you know, the thing we try to avoid almost should be, yes, I got more failures than anyone else in this test or this, whatever, because you learn more, you've got more space to learn. If you know the answers, then, well, what are you even doing at school? You may as well be the teacher. You know, It's kind of like that, that thing we're trying to always be learning and growing um, and evolving something more positive. So I love that. I love Hmm. Um, What's your next event that you're training for at the moment? So I'm, so I'm actually doing my, I'm not doing a, a, a running event as such, but I'm doing my next charity run. Yeah. Uh, so I do, I essentially do running, running challenges to, I guess, to get, get people to take notice. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a good way of uh, getting the community involved, but also mental health advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially what I, I'm not sure if you've heard of the Point to Pinnacle, uh, the half marathon that goes up to the top of Kanyani, Mount Wellington. I've run it twice. So, <laughs> so what I'm so what I'm doing is I'll be doing basically a, a double Everest attempt just on Mount Wellington on oh, Kanyani, wow. uh, and so I'll be running. I'll be essentially doing pretty much the equivalent of almost three Point to Pinnacles a day uh, for almost a week. But I, what I what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be running back down the road. So I'm only running, I'm running up the road and, and that's so it's essentially 23 Ks to get, to get up to the top and back yeah. down. Um, I'll be aiming to do that. And the idea is also, I love the whole thing about, you know, climbing, you know, climbing a mountain and, and, you know, that metaphor of, you know, climbing a mountain is very different for people, but, you know, if someone's going through poor, really poor mental health, mm-hmm. that climbing a mountain is mm-hmm. really getting out of bed or, you know, it's those. Exactly what we said before. And then, mm. and then you might get to the top and then you go, oh shit, that's actually not the top. There's another <laughs> mountain to climb, you know, that's yeah. sort of, um, so yeah, I, I've always wanted to do an elevation challenge. This one, this is my fourth one that I've done and um, yeah, raising money for speak up, stay chatty through the process. And it will end, it'll actually end on the 10th anniversary, the day of the 10th anniversary of Speak Up, Stay Chatty that oh, was formed. Wow. So, um, and in the mid, in the, uh, but also in the middle of winter as well. So it'll be most likely it'll be snow. There'll be a lot of snow. So, so how will you, how will you deal with that? Are you going on paths or are you going in the road? I'll go mm. on the road. Yeah, I'll go on the road. Mm. Uh, and I think as a safety aspect, because I've been up there in whiteout blizzards and mm. it's not, not great but what i'll do is i'll i'll um i I don't necessarily have to go right to the top Mm. it's an elevation challenge so i'll Mm. i'll just continue running as high as i can 
yeah. then when it's not when it's unsafe we'll run back again and yeah. we'll just keep judging Definitely. it i mean yeah. i've got a week there so the weather can't wait the, the weather can't <laughs> be bad all week surely i'll probably jinx sure. myself now but <laughs> Uh, but look that's that's part of it that's part of that's part of the that's part of the challenge so and i i spent a lot of time up there in the trails so it's it's pretty it's a place it's a it's a personal place for me so it all it all feels yeah really fitting yeah when is it Uh, starting on july 12th and then yeah to the to july 19th Um, and how, how can people follow along uh, yeah, so on my Facebook page, Run for Mental Health, um, will be probably the the main area for for the updates, and um, yeah, I'll be we'll be documenting it quite often. But yeah, in the lead up, you can sort of, I guess, yeah, hear my my rambling on and stories so in the exciting. lead up. So, well, I'm um, gonna I'll put the links in the show, thank you the show yeah. notes for that as well. Yeah, that's um, fascinating. Not to mention they'll be able to keep track of all the other crazy uncomfortable there's, things that you do there's always there's always once one thing finishes there's always something that can't pops in my into my head when I'm running so I, I love it coming up with new ways so I want to ask which I ask a lot of people especially busy people like you're a dad with some young kids um how do you and a job <laughs> how do you how do you manage it all with the training for these longer distances that you do um do oh. life it's been very, it was very difficult when we had, you're always having to adapt. And I yeah. always find, I found that I did more training when I had no time. Uh, cause you, cause there's that urgency on fitting it. You have to fit it in. Otherwise you're not going to get it in. And so yeah. I used to, when I had, when I had our children were newborns, I was doing it super early in the morning, like five, four, five in the morning, four in the morning. Yeah. Head torches. Yeah. Yeah. But now they're a little bit older, so but I'm having to fit it around school, and now yeah. they're they're playing hockey. Um, so just I find I'm doing it at night. I'm doing it, but they're small at the moment. It's not long, super long runs. I'm doing it yeah. in small increments. Okay. And what I try to do is there's no shortage of hills in Tasmania. Um, yeah. So like in my lunch break, I might have half an hour. So I'll go and there's a I'll go and run the the biggest hill and just do repeats on the hill. Yeah or I'll do run up the stairs for half an hour. Mm-hmm. Like I'll really challenging it, like intensive efforts in small amount of time to get that sort of, yeah. that I guess build that mental resilience, but also, mm-hmm. you know, I guess work towards whatever I'm working, whatever I'm yeah. training towards. So, um, and then I'm playing hockey most uh, Saturday, Sunday now. So don't necessarily get to do those big missions in the, on the mountain wow. anymore, but um just fitting it around, yeah. Like I, it hasn't felt like it's a priority at the moment, but I'm fitting it around life at the moment, which is which is yeah. cool. Like it's it's fine. Um, the it main changes, thing is I get it done. It does. Speaking, you know, of a parent of 31 down to 19, five children in there. Um, there's seasons, and there are seasons when you know you focus on your running it revolves around picking up, dropping off the kids sport, like whatever that with that of a training they're doing, you go for a run while they're doing their training. So there's a stuff. You just find ways to to move around. And then suddenly they don't need you and they have a car. And then you have more time. And then you fill it with other things. So it's just seasons. Like we often think we're stuck and I never have time for anything. But you realize yeah. that, you know, in a couple of years, which will go in a blink of an eye, things will be quite different again. So you know yeah, yeah. time. But yeah. But it sounds like you're um you have worked it all out for the time being and you're pretty happy in the space that you're in. Would you say that? Uh, yes. Yeah. I think it's still a like, so there's some days that still kind of creep up on me and, and yeah. you know, you think, yeah, even if you're, even if you're in this field, I think I've put the, I guess the hardest thing is I've put myself out there as mm. this mental health advocate, Yeah. but I'm also in the, in the, in the, suicide prevention mental health space as a job so it becomes like a seven day thing so and I'm constantly getting people uh messaging about me about this sort of thing or asking for advice or asking for help and so it doesn't it does end up becoming like um you know it does dominate that sort of so you need that you need to be able to have an outlet some way and so Mm. running becomes that outlet away from it just to try and you know help reset and be there for my family, but then also be able to be, be there for the people that 
want need to reach out or feel comfortable. And I I never dismiss that because you know if there is someone that feels they've if I'm that one person that pe- people decide that they feel comfortable reaching out to, then that's okay. Um, but you yeah you've you've got to be able to make sure that you're you're debriefing after it or you've got your strategy your strategy so you you know that you're looking after yourself as well and that's really really important thing to be in that space yeah yeah Yeah. um have you ever had people come up to you and say look I've started running like I was feeling pretty crappy but I and I've seen the sort of stuff that you do and what you say or whatever yeah um so I'm not necessarily saying do you go off go out and suggest to people that that they run maybe you do but um i just wondered if any if it's inspired people to put on i yes and i mean i'm i wasn't sure if people were listening uh, like when i started this whole thing and and i was just i felt like i was just talking to myself talking to facebook land and yeah and but you know like because quite often a lot of people that are listening they they won't comment on your post and they'll be but they'll be listening for yeah two three years and they might come up to you when they feel comfortable they might come up to you in an event and go look you know that post that you did or that that event that you did or you know really changed me and and um now this is what I'm doing because of it or the amazing thing is you know some of the the events that I started other people are doing the same thing now you know some other people are doing crazy runs and they're fundraising for a cause or they're they're doing it for a reason so there's that flow and effect that you know you never underestimate uh the power of you know one person mm. with an idea or you know because yeah you, yeah quite often in this in this space you don't see the the rewards or you don't see the you know or you don't see people um getting better straight away or you know, that sort of stuff so uh yeah yeah and you don't you don't obviously do it for that reason but you know it's it's nice to hear those stories down the track when people actually come up to you but or like recognize you in the supermarket or something that's really weird because I don't put myself out there as like I'm more like a d-grade celebrity probably on 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 Facebook land but it's nice when people come up to me and go look I like I remember you you know I follow your page and that sort of stuff and you go oh really like yeah so I love it it's nice. It's, it's so yeah. awesome. It feels like uh, a stupid question, but um, yeah. How do you think running has um, helped your life? If you hadn't started running, do you think what you'd be doing now, you'd be doing it? Like, how do you think running, the big part that running's played in all of this? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I would be, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, although it's really hard because I feel like it probably would have found me in some way. So maybe if it didn't happen back then, mm-hmm. it may, but I, I really felt like it did at that stage when I really needed something like that. I needed a community. I felt really isolated and I was really, I was struggling. Um, that gave me that community at uh, that time. And that helped me through, it, it helped me in, in, in a way to to recover from from where the sort of, I guess they're really, the deep hole that I was in and I couldn't feel like that was my avenue to, and what I could focus on. It gave me that confidence to kind of try new things and get help and all those sort of things. It really flowed on in that aspect. So it, who knows if, if that hadn't happened, then, you know, like yeah. it could have been a lot worse. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And, um, but yeah, probably I, I know I'd still be playing sport, but yeah. whether I'm into the, whether I, whether I'm doing the running or not, who knows? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So it's all, yeah. Well, we could talk forever and ever, Ben. One of my kids is called Ben, but I know you have to run and I've already kept you longer <laughs> yes. than I should. So I I do apologize. To oh, you. look, we can, we, we can always, we can always have a part two. I, I talk so much. So, and my, and I've got lots of things to talk about. So maybe down the oh, track, I think I could we be need like, to, yeah. Like number 400 or something. Yeah. I think we definitely um, there'll need be to lots of things to talk three. about. There's lots of yeah, synergy with yeah. me wanting to talk about running and mental health and you doing running for yeah. mental health. So there's like, what what's there not to talk about? Um, it's That's it, much, exactly. Pretty much the same thing. Um, but just coming at it from slightly different angles. I love it. I just really love what you're doing. Um, very Thank inspiring. You. So is there anything before we go, I'll ask you for some tips in a minute, but anything about running mm. in particular you wanted to throw in quickly? Because I know you need to race out the door. Uh, look, I if you have heard of backyard the backyard ultra scene 
Um, I've I heard about it. Everyone having all looking over it up. This, the podcast. Um, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Um, get onto it because it's in like yes, it can be competitive, but it's so much of a community. Mm. Everyone line, everyone lines up at the same time. I think my phone's ringing. There you uh, go. Be like, where are you? <laughs> um, but yeah, like get onto it because that's that's such a supportive community, right. and it really allows people to go further than further than they've ever gone before yeah. and so um that's definitely something that yeah that people should that. check out all right now uh, uh, quick tips for beginner runners yep what do you have um starts yeah yeah start start small uh yep. break it down into you know small don't don't think of the end you know the whole race think about mm-hmm. just get you know just breaking it down you could if you're tired you could you know you could be running, pick a tree, you know, that I'll just get to, I'll run to that tree. And then maybe you can walk for a little bit. And then if you, I think for anything, you know, thinking about the bigger picture is really difficult, um, you know, mm. and overwhelming. So for, for me, it's always, you don't have to, an ultra marathon running or running in general, you don't have to be running a million miles an hour. Like mm. who, who does that? Like we're not on a track doing a, you know, a hundred meter sprint. Like it's about the journey and it's about finishing and and being part of something. So don't be afraid to walk. Like and in ultra marathon, right? There's a lot of walking. So yeah, those two things. I think yeah, don't be. Yeah, we're already achieving something amazing. So don't worry about how you do that. Like yeah, Yeah. I think that's that's the just the bare basic sort of things that I want to get out there. Beautiful. All right, I will get you back on very soon. Thank you, Ben yes, Hurst. You've been I'm in amazing. Trouble, so <laughs> don't run away. I'm going to hit stop record, but don't run away. I just need to like, keep you for one more second. But um, yeah. thank you again. It's been amazing, and as I said, very inspirational. So well thank done. Thank you keep so much. Going. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. So send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it for a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and i'll see you there plus i'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode and before you go I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.